Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So this morning we are continuing our study on prayer where we left off last week. Uh, before we, we go too far, we need to, to review a specific point, and that is that the, the foundation of our life, that what I build my life upon is the Word of God. It is the, the truth. It is, it is the, the, the stone on which everything else begins. And the Word of God, if we, we look at the Bible, it's, it's a recording of, of God's words throughout history, right? From the, the very beginning all the way to, to what is to come. What, what shapes my life today what, what forms who I am today is prophecy, is the, the word of God today that, that is directing me into the, the, the steps that I should take, that is, is directing me into the relationships that I need to, to foster, into the words that I need to share with other people. That, that is prophecy in, in my life today. And, and sometimes, again, when we talk about the word prophecy, it all of a sudden kind of gets everybody like, oh, this is going to get weird. Um, but that's not it. That prophecy was never meant to be this weird mystical thing that, that just happened when somebody from out of town showed up at your church and you, you, everybody got together in a tent. It wasn't supposed to be that way. All of the instruction that we see given to the New Testament church about prophecy was that it was supposed to be happening on, on the regular. This was supposed to be like, hey, we show up, God speaks through other people to other people. That, that is the expectation that, that the early church was supposed to have. And as far as I can tell, nothing has changed that says we're not supposed to all of a sudden be like, no, that doesn't matter anymore. So last week we followed from the Garden of Eden to the, the Old Testament or we see the, the people of Israel, and, and then we, we went to Jesus, and from Jesus we went to the New Testament church, and we saw from, from stop to stop to stop how Holy Spirit is, is empowering, is speaking through these people. And now that, that we have come to this final point of, of God breathing on his disciples, Jesus breathing on his disciples, now the disciples are, are filled with the Holy Spirit and they are, are prophesying. They're speaking the words of God that, that used to just be reserved for those prophets, those select few back in the day. And no longer is that something that's relegated to, to the Moseses and the, the Elijahs and the Samuels. It's, it's now available for everyone. All ages, all genders, all nationalities, all occupations. It's not just for pastors. It's for everybody who is a follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is within you. And as we said last week, God speaks to you. God, God wants to speak to you. God wants to use you to speak to other people. And if I can say it for just a minute, it's not just one or two of you that are here that are like the super spiritual ones that are like, oh yeah, they have like the direct channel to God. No, it, it, it's everyone. 
So then the next question is, am I listening? Are you listening? Last week, as I mentioned, we followed this biblical story of prophecy. This morning, we're going to see that the story doesn't stop at the end of the book of Revelation. It continues all through history, all the way up to us today. When we have topics or have conversations about topics like the Holy Spirit moving in the church, we find that there are a lot of different ideas. <laughs> there, there are a lot of different viewpoints that come into to play. Some are maybe based in biblical truth and some maybe less so. And these are, are things that we need to sort out. You need to know what, what does Wood Street Chapel believe? What, what do we believe when it comes to the Holy Spirit operating in these four walls, operating in you as a person outside of these four walls? What do we believe? And I can't tell you what you need to believe. I, that's not my job. That's, that's between you and God. But what I can do is I can, I can share with you the, the truth that I see in the Bible. There are groups of people that listen to everything that we talked about last week, that listen to the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happens in the book of Acts, that, that follow everything that's happening in the, the, the New Testament church. And they're in complete agreement about everything that is present in the Word of God. They, they, they absolutely understand that that's the case. But that's where it stops. The, the, the belief is that right there is that... that everything that w was being worked through the Holy Spirit stops right at that moment, that there is no longer any movement of the Holy Spirit in the church today. And that type of thinking typically falls under a banner of what is called a cessationist uh, theology. Uh, cessationists believe that God gave the Holy Spirit as a boost to the, the early church to kick things off. But when the biblical canon was complete, when, when all of the, the word of God was, was written, the word of God was meant to take the place of the, the active movement of the, the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a lot of flawed logic here. And, and I'm gonna go into specifically what that, those issues are. And we're gonna, we're gonna attack it from three different points. So we have my experience that I wanna talk about, which is the weakest of the three of these. We have the uh, philosophical standpoints that we need to be looking at. And then most importantly, we have the biblical standpoint. Does the Bible back up this particular process? And so first, if we, we think about experience, and again, this is the, the weakest argument, but if this was the case, if this was true, that at the, the end of the Bible being written, that the Holy Spirit was just no longer to be involved in the church, there are a whole bunch of experiences in my life that I have to come back and look at and say, well, what on earth was going on there? If the Holy Spirit is not active in my life, then I have been involved in so many different things that are completely unexplainable at this point that I don't understand. I would have to deny multiple instances of God moving in my life because the Holy Spirit wasn't a part of it, apparently. 
and, and that doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. And if you look at your life, I'm sure you can find areas like that where you know that God has spoken to or through you. So let's fast forward to the philosophical argument, which is maybe a little bit stronger. What do we know about God? We know that God desires a relationship with his children, right? God wants to be close to us. He sent his son to die on a cross so that we could be close. God loves us. I mean, we just sang a whole song about it. God really loves us. He desires relationship. Kaylee, can you come here for a minute? <laughs> yeah. You're not going to, it's not going to be long. No. So, yeah, she should. Kaylee, as my wife, I have decided that I am never going to speak to you again, but I have compiled everything that I want to say to you in this leather-bound book that I would like you to read every day, and through that, we're going to grow and have a meaningful relationship. doesn't work that way, right? How can I have a meaningful relationship with my wife, whom I love, if I'm never going to speak to her again? How is that relationship? That's all. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, logically, does that make, is there any world where you can say, hey, I, I really love you. I love you so much that I sent my son to die for you. I just don't want to talk to you ever again. Relationship doesn't exist without back and forth communication. It makes no sense that the God of the universe would decide that at the turn of the century that he's finished. At the turn of the century, he's like, this, this I, I'm spent. This was a lot of work, and going forward, we're just going to focus on, you know, semi-correct sermons, okay songwriting, and really awkward small groups to take care of the voice of God going forward. Really? No. Biblically. What, it, what is the biblical basis for the cessationist movement? It comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. This is the word of God. This is true. So the question becomes, if this is true, if this is the word of God... Are we maybe interpreting it wrong? Are we, we maybe not getting everything? Yes, there will be a time when prophecy ceases. When is that time? It tells us right here, when completeness comes. And so when completeness comes, what does that mean? Does that mean, it, can it really truly mean that complete, completeness comes when a bunch of old guys get together in a council meeting and decide, hey, this is the Bible and stamp, we're moving forward. That was completeness. Or is it possible that completeness is when I get to see Jesus face to face? Is that when completeness comes? What I can tell you, spoiler alert, this, that is what the Foursquare Church believes. That's what Wood Street Chapel believes. That's what I believe. 
But again, this isn't time for me to, to make that decision for you. This is time for you to hear and decide where you stand in this. And it would seem like verse 12 of that same chapter gives us something more to look at here. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. It seems pretty clear And it seems a lot more logical to say that completeness comes when we see Jesus face to face. That is when prophecy will cease. Not because there's some substitute, but because we will have the real voice of God at that time. God doesn't have to speak through me to talk to you because God is in front of you speaking to you. At the very end of this chapter, it says, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Why is love the greatest? Because when I'm with Jesus, I don't have to have faith anymore because I see what my faith was. The faith has become sight. So, okay, I mean, this all seems pretty clear. Like, why would we... Why would we want to go the other direction? Why would somebody want to think that? What, what's the draw in having a cessationist viewpoint? The draw to this type of teaching is the desire to explain something that hasn't been experienced yet. It's the desire to explain something that you don't understand. And maybe if we use this, this thought process for a minute, if God isn't speaking to me, if I'm not hearing the voice of God, then doesn't it feel a lot better just to say, well, it's because he's not talking to me? Versus maybe there's something going on that I need to address in my own life. The gap between biblical teaching and my current experience isn't a reason to justify an invitation to closeness with God. Do you understand that? The, my lack of understanding and the, the gap that exists between that and, and the word of God, and we all have that gap to some degree, is not a reason for me to justify away God wanting to be close to me. God wants to close that gap. So if we look at prophecy in the church, prophecy is the normal experience of church life. When God's people gather together, God speaks to them. That, that's the assumption. If we look at, at the Bible, if we look at the, the letters that were written, we see the book of Romans, the, books, uh, the letters to the Corinthians, the Thessalonians, to Timothy, the epistles from Peter and Jude, and the book of Revelation. All of those books talk about prophecy. They talk about God speaking to the church. This is the biblical expectation. And if and when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we see that there is an expectation that this happened and that it happened in a clean and orderly way. And that it's not this, hey, let's all get weird. It was assumed 
If you read 1 Corinthians 14, we're not going to read the whole thing today because it's kind of long. It was assumed that numerous people in the congregation were going to have some kind of communication from God, which they would then be sharing with other people. That, that was the thing. This doesn't once talk about there being feathers falling from the ceiling. It doesn't once talk about there being, you know, these other manifestations of the Holy Spirit that, that I don't know if, if they're happening or not. It, it doesn't talk about it being some weird, mystical, uncomfortable event. This is the norm. Why do people miss hearing the voice of God? Why do I miss hearing the voice of God? Why do you? Because it's not typically the lightning bolt from heaven that smashes down in front of you that says, thus saith the Lord. I mean, sometimes wouldn't it be easier if it was though? Like, don't you just wish that there would be that lightning bolt that would crash down and be like, well, all right, we'll go this way. (laughs) But it doesn't work that way. Typically, most of the time, I don't know, maybe you guys have had that experience. I'm sure there are people that have where God was like, nope, you're going to do this. But for most of us, it's not the lightning bolt from heaven. It's that still, small voice. That still, small voice that it, it almost sounds like my own thoughts, except it's from somebody else. It's originating from the Holy Spirit and not from myself. So if prophecy is the normal expectation, it also invites intimacy. I want you all to close your eyes for just a minute. I'm not going to do anything weird to you, I promise. If your neighbor starts touching your leg, raise your hand and I'll come deal with it. Uh, Close your eyes. Whose voice do you hear right now? You hear my voice, right? Okay, you can open your eyes. How did you know it was my voice? You knew it was my voice because you know me. Because you know who I am. You know what my voice sounds like. Even when you don't see me, you know what my voice is. Most of you have been following Jesus a whole lot longer than you've known me. So we should all know his voice. John 10, 4. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. How do we learn to follow God's voice? It's through that uncomfortable process that thing that we would really rather just not talk about called obedience. We hear a specific direction that we understand to be the voice of God, that we think is the voice of God in our life, and we step out in obedience, only half sure at the time that that's actually what it was, and it's not the dinner that we had last night. And in that, we have obedience. In that stepping out, in that moment of vulnerability, we have obedience. Now, this means a couple of things. This means that sometimes we're going to make mistakes. This means that sometimes it is going to be that burrito you had last night 
and it's not going to be the Holy Spirit. And that's okay. God doesn't say, come and follow me perfectly. But he does say, come and follow me. So this means that mistakes are going to be made, but we have to try knowing that those mistakes are going to be made. What do we know about maturity in a family? Mature families know how to thrive with one another, and they know how to fail with one another. They know that mistakes are going to happen, and we address those mistakes, and we move on. It's the same thing for a church. A church thrives with one another, and we fail together, and we move on. Awkward question time. Am I holding my comfort zone at a higher level of importance than hearing God's voice? Am I holding my comfort zone at a higher level of importance than acting on God's voice? Prophecy releases power. 1 Corinthians 14, 24 through 25. It says, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of sin, are brought under judgment by all, and as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Prophecy is the mysteries of God made available for everyone to see. This is why in this same chapter it talks about, you know, Speaking in tongues is great, but, but that's a, a you and God thing. Whereas prophecy is, is specifically something that is for the rest of the church. Prophecy starts with eager desire. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. That's what it says. That's the word of God speaking that. That is not Matt Marish just saying, hey, this is a good idea. This is God saying that. This should be our longing. And yet my question is, is it really? In the Western church, there is this misconception that my words, that, that Pastor Matt's words are the most important words that you were going to hear this morning. And it is not. God does not see it this way. God is not interested in great sermons about himself. God wants to pass redemption through ordinary vessels, all of us, to other people that are in desperate need of a move of the Spirit in their life. Taking the words that one person needs to hear and putting them on the heart of another. God wants a team where everyone gets to play. What if we all arrived at church? What if we all came here asking a specific question? God, what are you speaking today? And how can you use me to bring about your redemption in someone's life? And what if, what if that wasn't just a, a word that we said, but what if it was an actual a posture, a, a, a belief that we, we held knowing 
not just that we, we hope something happens from it, but knowing that when we come with that expectation that God will always show up and meet us there. One author says that teaching is using the human voice to tell a person about God's character, whereas prophecy is using the human voice to show someone God's character. Teaching is, is just where we explain what, what's in the Bible. It's where we, we maybe have a really cool illustration where we pull our wife up on stage and use her for something for a minute. That, that's what, what teaching is. But prophecy is that time where God cuts through the, the intellectual layer and he comes down and he says, I love you and I want to show you how much I love you. All prophecy is about revealing Jesus. If you look at prophecy in the Old Testament, ultimately about revealing Jesus. We look at prophecy in the New Testament, ultimately about revealing Jesus. We see prophecy in the church today. It's ultimately about revealing Jesus. It reveals a God who goes into those emotional places and demonstrates that he really loves us. So maybe you are in the camp of, I am hungry for this. I am eager for this. And I have strongly, strongly desired to see a move of the prophetic and I want to get into this. That is a super healthy desire to have. And a great way to start moving in that uh, prophetic ministry is to start through encouragement. Start by encouraging people. Encouragement is based on what you see. And prophecy is encouragement based on what you can't see. So if you want to, to move in the, the prophetic ministry, if you want the Holy Spirit to speak through you to other people, a great way to start is just by encouraging people. And in doing that, that will prepare you. If you desire that gift, then that's how you start. And maybe you find yourself in the other camp of being maybe a little extra cautious about this. Maybe that you're feeling like, hey, this, this is a little weird, Matt. Kind of getting a little, little strange, a little out there. When Paul gives instruction on prophecy to the church, he gives a lot of instruction on how it's supposed to happen. What we find is that sometimes we can be so heavily focused on being neat, on being tidy, on being organized, on being not not stepping on people's toes, that some gifts become overdeveloped and some get completely ignored. That can happen. Does that mean somebody did something wrong? Does that mean, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there, there's an issue with, with something that happened in the church? Not at all. This, this is normal. I mean, we know it's normal because Paul was writing to the churches even back then saying, hey, come on back. You guys went too far this direction. We need to, to rein it in. So it's good to be eager for this. It, it's, it's an exciting thing to, to move forward in that. And it's also okay to be cautious in it as well. Eagerly desire the gifts of prophecy. That's the directive that we have been given here. Eagerly desire the gifts of prophecy. And we're doing a, a series on prayer and all of a sudden everybody's like, well, man, how did prophecy become so like 
front and center of, of this, this teaching time because this is, this is where we start. This is something that's supposed to be happening in the church. This is prayer. This is God's voice coming through me to the person that he wants to speak to through you. And so this morning, we're, we're going we're gonna to take just a few minutes, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to this. But first, we need to know this. This is, this is between you and God. Any, any form of response that we're talking about here is a matter between you and God, and it really has nothing to do with me. I'm a big kid. I, I don't need you to do this for me. If you are here with us today and you can honestly say, bring on the mess. I, I'm ready. I, I want to, to do what God is directing us to do. I desire the gift of prophecy in my life and in this church. If that's you and you want that and you want to declare that, then I'd like you to stand up just right here, right at your seat. I'm not going to make you like do anything weird. I'm not going to make you give a speech or anything like that. But if that's something that you're saying, yeah, I want to see that move of the Holy Spirit in my life, then I invite you right now. Go ahead and stand up in your seats, and I want to join my prayer to your desire, and we're going we're gonna to pray for that right now. Holy Spirit, we want to know you. We love you, Jesus, and we want more of you. Here we are. We are following exactly what you instruct us to do, to be a community declaring that we eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. God, we ask that you would mature us into a people that know your voice, that pass your voice on to others. God, that you would, would use us to shape your kingdom. God, we come expecting you to, to move amongst your people. And God, we come knowing that there are going to be times where we mess up. And God, we thank you for your grace. Lord, help us to have grace towards one another as we, we practice what this means. And it is practicing as we, we learn what it means to be uh, someone who is used by you, who's used by your spirit. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit as, as a helper, as a guide, as a, a resource that gives power to live in the way that you have called us to live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's go ahead and be seated. I'm going to take another couple of minutes here. Can I get three volunteers? Sure. Jeff, come on up. Come on, Sarah. One more. All right. Take a seat. Somebody gets the shorter chair, sorry. <laughs> so, 
We're going to do it. We're, we're at church. We, we have a, a place where we, we just all stood up and, and said, yeah, we, we want this. And if we're going to stand up and say we want this, then this is probably a good time to do it. And so what that means is we need to have a couple of ground rules. If you're going to say something, you get 30 seconds, and we're cutting you off. <laughs> that rule will be held to, okay? We, we cannot be here for the, the ne- rest of the day. These, these people, well, you don't 30, get to talk. You, you don't get to talk. No. <laughs> None of you get to talk. You, you just get to be here. So what we have is we're going to take a time. We're going to pray. We're going to say, God, what do you have? What word do you have? What encouragement do you have for Jeff? What, and this may be a time where, you know, it's, it's a touching time that Jeff is, is receiving something, and it may be something where Jeff laughs and says, hmm, okay, we'll, we'll put that in the back pocket for later. A couple of more ground rules. We need to make sure we're operating in a way that recognizes that we're not perfect. And what that means is that when we use words like God says to you today, that's not leaving a whole lot of room for the fact that we may not be exactly where we need to be. And so we can say, God, I, I, I have this picture. I, 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 maybe this is applicable to you. We, we can share those things in a, a, a clean way that doesn't necessarily paint Jeff into a corner. Also, we, the words that we receive from the Holy Spirit are true to Scripture. They never are going to disagree with what the Bible says. What do we know? We know that God loves us. And so the words that, that would be shared with Jeff in this time would be something that is demonstrating the love of God. So we're going to take a moment right now. We're going to pray, and we're going to see what, what God has to say. I am really good at discerning when someone's speaking to me. So you don't have to worry that you get the words right or whatever because I can see the heart of what you're saying. So I'll be able to receive it. So it's not like, oh, did I say that right? Because you, in your imperfection, are filtering the Holy Spirit. It's going to come through you, and you're not perfect. But I'm telling you right now, if you have a word for me, I am listening. I truly am listening. So it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. We'll get it. And again, we're a family. And we know that, that this is a, a time where this is, again, practice. This is where we learn to, to listen to that still small voice. So we're going to take a moment right now and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to your children today. Holy Spirit, that you would give your words to your people. That in this still, small moment, that there would be something that could be be shared, that could be an encouragement for Jeff going forward, that it would demonstrate your love. whether it's a picture, whether it's an encouraging word, whether it's 
whatever you have, God, we come and we, we say we are ready for you to, to move amongst your people. Amen. Hey, does anybody have anything to share for Jeff this morning? Yeah, Mark. Assurance. We can just skip it sometimes. Anybody else have anything to share? Your heart and your humor makes it a welcoming place to be. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to move down the line, and we're going to pray again. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Mike. God, we know that you love Mike, that you want the best for him, and God, we ask this morning that you would, would speak to your people. Holy Spirit, that you would, would reveal yourself this morning. Anybody have anything specifically for Mike this morning? is hard. Say that again, Wanda. Oh, I'm sorry, somebody <laughs> hearing. <laughs> Who said it? <laughs> we thank you for this encouragement. God, thank you that you are, are building us up. God, as we, we come to Sarah, Lord, we ask that you, would, that you would be that encourager, that you would be that strengthener, that you would, would be that one that brings hope, that one that brings restoration, that brings wholeness. 
God, that you would speak to your people and that, that we would have that opportunity this morning to receive from you. Say it again. Dedication. I think a, a specific word that, that I have that I'm gonna that I wanna share for you, Sarah, is and maybe this applies, maybe it doesn't, but is that throughout your life, and, and we, we've heard some of your story, but, but throughout your life, there has been time after time after time of you being let down by those that were, were close to you. And time after time after time, you have have shown up in, in a result of that to make sure that you don't let, don't let down those that are close to you so that you're, you're caring for your family, you're caring for the, the people that you work with in your job, and, and that you're caring even for, for me as a pastor and for, for the church. And I, the, the encouragement that I have is that, that God sees the, the caring that, that you have, and, and he responds to that in kind, that he, he cares for you, that he wants to give you that rest. He wants to give you that, that peace, that calmness, that still water, the, the green pasture where you can lie down. We're going to pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that in the midst of a, a regular Sunday morning, God, you show up. Not because of any special combination of words that were said or any specific song that was sung or, or even the, the fact that we've, we've come into these four walls, but God, you show up because you love us. And you desire to be in a relationship with your children. Our prayer is that we would be sensitive to your voice, that we would hear the callings that you place on us, not just 
towards these three people, God, but towards every person that you, you put in, in our life, that we would, would be sensitive to the direction that you give to that stranger that is walking towards us in the street, that we would be sensitive towards the, the word that you have for that person that we work with that is hurting, that desperately needs to know who you are. God, we want to hear your voice, and we want to hear it clearly. Thank you for meeting us here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 